It is midnight, and I am recording this intro because, let's be honest, this is when most of these intros get recorded, the night before I post the podcast. (laughs) Today's guest is Steen Jones. Uh, She's a longtime friend of mine and a friend of the bone. (laughs) Uh, If you do not already know and love Steen, you will definitely love her at the end of this podcast. To me, she is just one of the best representations of what it is to to be Christ-like and to live your life out in that way. Um, she also just wrote a really cool book called The Doorkeeper. You can buy it on Amazon and I think at Barnes & Noble too. Um, so go check it out, but not before you listen to the podcast. We started a company together, and we've been friends for forever. A really long time. A long time. Like, almost 10 years now. Maybe yeah. more than 10 years. I want to say it's definitely been. It's almost my 10-year high school reunion, so it's almost 10 years because yeah. I graduated from high school. Um, and Steen was there for me whenever I was going through my whole I-don't-know-what-I-believe phase. <laughs> you were there for all the big conversations, I feel like. Well, it was. I enjoyed them. I like big conversations. <laughs> They're one of my things. They are one of your things. You're very good at them. And so I brought Steen back because, I don't know, because I think I just want to get the opinion of someone who's still inside the church. And, like, you could say I'm, inst- you could say I'm still inside the church for sure. You're still on the inside. <laughs> and just, like, just how it feels. Because I feel like for me personally, if I hadn't already left the church, like, this, this presidential election might have been what what the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> yeah well, i i think it i think it uh mattered which church you were a part mm-hmm. of to be honest yeah i think so many different churches approached this whole political season very differently mm-hmm. so yes it very well could have broken every ounce of faith you had yeah. or it you know depending on where you were it could have maybe just stayed the same <laughs> yeah no i feel like that's that's true too i feel like i've seen I feel like I've seen more churches standing up now and speaking out against it than I've seen before with other social issues, which is kind of cool. Like, I think that's that's really awesome to see. Like, there's churches in, in Atlanta, down where I live, that have, like, big signs that are like, you are welcome here. You know, refugees, gay people. Like, so it's cool to see that happening. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> I think this is one of the first times that I can remember where um, there's been such a issue of, like, just basic morality mm-hmm. in politics that's kind of thankfully I feel like forced the church to kind of step up and mm-hmm. if at this point they don't then it almost yeah. speaks to their their own spirituality you, you know? know it's funny I on my last podcast I, re- I read this quote at the beginning of it and I think I still have it right here it was by Reza Aslan who was like a a famous author 
um, who, who writes about Jesus and, and Islam and just religion in general. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really understand it when I read it last time, I don't think. But he basically was saying, like, religion has become this thing that's, like, more of an identifier than a faith. Like, there's, and when I read it, I, I, I don't know how I interpreted it, but it wasn't this way. But basically what he really was saying was that, like, there's so many people now that, Christianity is just a thing that you are. It's become this identifier, and they're not really truly following, like, the tenets of the faith, you know? And that's probably been a, a, an issue for as long as there ever was religion, oh, sure. you know? Um, but I think it's so much more, to me, it seems so much more clear now, just because, like, what kind of spurred this podcast, this specific podcast episode was, like, the the budget that Trump Put out that Trump's administration put out, where they were taking away money from Meals on Wheels, and they were taking away money from after-school programs that fed kids who weren't getting fed at home. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, it that that on like is just the beginning and end of it. Like if you're not feeding people, if you're taking like, and it's one thing if they're taking away money to give it to more efficient programs or to use it in a more efficient way to feed people, mm -hmm. but they're not doing that. If they're taking away money and giving it to the military, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like that's. If if we're if we're saying that if if eighty percent of white evangelicals are gonna vote for Trump because they believe that he represents their values the most, that likely, doesn't say very much for their values. No, I don't think it does. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent on that statement. I feel like um, if that is the case, and it, it is, and it's hard because you know you get statistics and um, and you hear things, but if that is generally the case, that the eighty, what you say, eighty two. 80, I think it's just 80% or something 80% like that, yeah. of evangelicals voted for Trump because he aligned with their viewpoints on politics and people and issues. That's really disturbing for me mm -hmm. because, I mean, I feel like that's more like the basic foundations of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was taking care of those who were less fortunate, you know, you know, giving away your coat, mm -hmm. you know, not hoarding things, not... Yeah. Um, and it's not about defense of yourself. It's about the defense of others and those less fortunate than you. And, yeah. And, and so, yeah, that's disturbing for me if that's legitimate. I'm I'm sincerely hoping that a lot of the people just didn't really understand all of all of Trump's viewpoints. And I so, think that's definitely true. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, one, heard the one issue that they cared about, which might have been abortion, and were like, okay, he's anti-abortion, or he says that he's anti-abortion, so, like, that's going to be my deciding factor. See, which we've had that conversation yeah. before, <laughs> where, you know, I mean, I understand you having a deep set of beliefs in, on something and, and entrenching it, I get that, um, but you can't just pick the one issue, right? because there's just so much more than that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think I've said to you before, like, lives matter to me, regardless of their, if they're in you know, in the womb or if they're walking around on this planet, mm -hmm. you know, um, regardless of what nationality they are or what sexuality they are, like lives matter, period. So for me, I, I, it upsets me when people put certain lives over other people's lives mm -hmm. and put, and, and you just have to look at it all broadly. You can't just pick that one thing and, and vote based that one thing. I just think that's dangerous. Yeah, no, absolutely. And <sighs> I don't know. I, I feel like hyper-partisanship they're saying now is, like, more divisive than even, like, racism. Like, it's yeah. it's more, like, people are more likely to, to date between 
racial lines than they are between partisan lines, which, which I know hysterical. is true for me. <laughs> like, I have a dating profile online, and, like, the first line is, like, Trump voters just know. <laughs> That's literally what it says. <laughs> well, it's hard, because politics are something that, I mean, it's it's when you're in a relationship with someone, and um, and you, you want to, like, sit over dinner and have conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think me and you have sat down and had dinner enough to know that it's going to come up yeah. if it's something you care about, and so it is hard to have a relationship with someone who just is not feel the same way mm-hmm. that you do about things. Um, I mean, it's like trying to be in a relationship with, mm-hmm. you know, someone who you just have zero in common with. It's a lot be easier to have a relationship with someone that you have nothing in common with and someone that you have like anti viewpoints, yeah. <laughs> politically speaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, one, my friend in the first podcast, she mentioned a book that I think I told you about last week when we were hanging out called God Politics, and I downloaded a sample of it, just like mm-hmm. the first, like the the whatever the prologue is, maybe like part of the first chapter, and I was reading it. And it turns out it was written right after uh, W. Bush, uh, or Bush Jr., whatever you want to call him, his second election. Okay. Um, and, it, and this guy's basically, like, writing about how the right co-opted religion, or the, the Republicans co-opted religion and said, if you're a true Christian, you will vote Republican. And I, apparently that was, I, I was somewhat aware during that election, it wasn't my first election that I voted in, um, but... It's kind of depressing to read <laughs> because you're like, wow, this was even happening, you know, what was that, like 12 years ago? Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, and he, he kind of, his point of view is that he's a, he's, he's what he considers like a progressive Christian and he, you know, doesn't feel like either side should be able to claim that no. religion, that Christianity is theirs or that any religion is theirs and that, that the followers of that religion have to vote for them. But That's the equivalent to me of like America claiming Jesus as their own, you know? But we like, kind of do. I know, but I hate that. That's what I'm saying. I feel like it's just as wrong. I, like, yeah. I, I, it drives me crazy when any one specific body of people want to just claim like yeah that yeah you know, I just think that's so and even this guy it's kind of funny I was reading it and he was like we're gonna take back our religion and I'm like but the whole point is like no one can really take religion like everyone's gonna have their interpretation of it and how they see it and like why can't we all just like have our religion and have our politics and like and it not have to and I am I mean, I understand using your, your, your moral framework to, to make political decisions and sure. who you vote for and to try and shape politics mm-hmm. based on what you think, you know, your country's moral obligations are. It's just funny to me, like, how divisive it is created, the, uh, how divisive of a, of a, of a climate it's created oh, in, yeah. in, in our country and just in general. <laughs> and it's funny, I feel like, especially, and I think the hardest part for me being inside the church has the has been the divisiveness within the church within politics yeah and that's something that i think i wish i could see more of and not not wish i i'm not saying i wish there was more divisiveness no it makes you feel better about religion i wish (laughs) no it doesn't it makes me sad because like the part i miss about christianity in general is the community Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine how divided it is inside the church right now. Oh, it's it's hard, you know. It's hard because I mean, I have it's I mean, if you you just look at my at my Twitter alone and I feel like you would see well, maybe twi- my Twitter's on my Twitter's the more progressive liberal <laughs> side of things and my Facebook's the more conservative. I'm sure I'm not the only person that has that issue. Um 
But, you know, I have some people that I really look up to in, in the faith community, and they're all considered outsiders, and they're all considered, at least, at least even within the Christian community, they're all, like, the liberal Christians and yeah. the ones that... Um, but I love, like, Shane Claiborne right now is on this um, amazing, like, crusade to end the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And even that has been, like, I've watched that progress. And, I mean, and he's getting called out by people and he's getting, you know, he's having peaceful protests and getting arrested. And even just the death penalty is just one little issue that's not even really being talked about mm-hmm. in mainstream media at all. Mm-hmm. About how different states are starting to, you know, to say no to it and to, mm-hmm. to outlaw it. Um, and other states are bringing back firing squads. Yep, exactly. So that's even one, that's one tiny aspect. That's not even like when it comes to refugees and, mm-hmm. and abortion, all those things. It's not even one of the top whatevers. Yeah. But even within that one little realm of, of politics and Christianity, it's interesting to me that there's already this divide there. It's just, it's everywhere. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> there's so many things that it can be divided on. I don't, I don't, I don't know how I would navigate it. Honestly. No, it's I, I feel like it's it's what you were you were saying. I feel like faith for me will always shape my viewpoints on on politics. Uh, even though I I do I hate it when people use I feel like people will use religion as a tool, like mm-hmm. you were saying, like a manipulative tool. Um, to, like fear we talked about fear mongering a lot. Another conversation mm-hmm. we had. I hate it when people use. Um, religion and, and that tactic, but for me, my faith is so personal that I will always, it will always be my framework for what I decide politically. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you in that I wish that people would let people have their faith and their political views and not make one another feel um, less than if it's different than theirs. Right. That's what frustrates me. Right. Most, I think. Yeah. That that's something when I was reading that intro to God Politics that I kind of that kind of struck me because I'm kind of on my own faith journey. Like there was a time where I just kind of like threw it out and like done with it. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to think about this anymore. And so I didn't. And I was just like, I'm not religious. I couldn't really be atheist. Cause that's like way too much for my head to wrap around. <laughs> it's too nihilistic. It's too much, like, I, don't I can't sleep at night sometimes. Um, so I have days where I like go back and forth on my faith, on my own faith journey. And it's hard when I hear someone say like, we're going to take back Christianity from those liberals who want to turn Jesus into a, you know, a socialist. And I'm just like, why do we have to take it away from people? Yeah. Like, why can't we just like, well, that, why can't people just have their own journey? That, and I just, it's not ours to take. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, um, I listened to your last podcast and you said something I loved and it's just that each faith is is every, every faith is, is unique to the person, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like if I want to try to control what you believe or what you think, then I'm missing the whole point, mm-hmm. right? It's not mine. And if, and if I want to try to convince you of something or, or whatever, that's, that's not the point. That's, yeah. that's not my job. Yeah. You know? I think that's so different though than a majority of people's experience with religion, especially the more like, the more legalistic ones. I mean, I grew up in a very legalistic denomination, and I think you did too. Um, we just had different paths, and and I think that's why it's so hard for me because anytime there's a there's a thing where it's like you have to believe this way, and if you don't believe this way, it's not true, or it's not right, or it's not. And that's why it's so hard for me. I'm so I'm so cautious to like step back into it because I'm like I can't be 
defined by. Oh, I'm a rebel at heart. So anytime <laughs> anyone tells me you must do this, right. I'm like, oh yeah, watch me not. You know, I, I don't like it when people try to tell me what to do and, and all of that. So I totally understand that. And I mean, and I'm, and I'm the same way. That's why I kind of had to throw my faith out and start from scratch mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that was told to me. It was something I discovered on my own. Yeah. I mean, I told you, like, <laughs> I've been in therapy and, like, our focus for the last couple, like, month or so now has just been, like, religion. And I haven't talked about religion kind of at all since I started therapy because I had all, a host of other issues I had to deal with <laughs> first. So now we're, like, dipping our toes back in the water. And it was something I thought I'd, like, left behind mm-hmm. that I was, like, done with. And now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, man. Like, it's just all there. It just, like, covered up, and I just didn't deal with it. But, like, I was talking to her, and I I could never really define where I started losing my religion. Mm -hmm. Is that, like, that's a good song, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is. It's (laughs) not, it should be. And, like, I kind of made the connection because it was around the time that I started getting really political, and it's because I had these things that I cared about so much. Like, I had friends who were gay. Um, I, I myself personally did not want to feel confined by the legalistic kind of idea of women being in this subservient role that I was raised to believe in. Um, and I wasn't seeing my values in the church. Like, I wasn't seeing those things being I, – I saw some people, like, there was kind of a few outliers that every time they spoke up – Someone would call them a heretic yeah. or, you know. Welcome, welcome to Christianity. <laughs> um, but I wasn't seeing them reflected there. And then I found politics. Mm-hmm. And I found, you know, liberalism and the Democratic Party. And and I saw the things that I cared about being spoken about and being championed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like, this is how I want to feel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I want to feel like my thoughts and feelings are something that should be celebrated mm-hmm. and I was like uh, and that's where the switch began for sure. me and and I don't think I'm alone in that like I don't think that I'm the only person who like people talk all the time about millennials leaving the church and how they're leaving in droves you know <laughs> um and I don't think it's because church isn't cool anymore church is really cool now oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> way cooler than when we were yeah kids, young whippersnappers sure is like the bane of existence for like a for, you know, every tiny church in Mississippi that I ever went to, but, like, but I think millennials are leaving because they don't see their values reflected in the church anymore, Mm -hmm. or they don't see them being celebrated, Mm -hmm. um, they don't feel like they should have to fight for them, they Mm -hmm. feel like, hey, I feel like we should love everybody, and that shouldn't be, um, that shouldn't be a controversial statement, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't feel like we should tell people who they should be able to marry, I don't think that's something that, that is, you know, that, they don't feel like that's something that should be, a hard statement or uh, even like a, a a sinful statement yeah but and so that's why they're leaving I personally feel like so um I don't I don't want them to leave I definitely feel like there's a hole in my life now that I have left the church mm-hmm. somewhat like self-inflicted <laughs> yeah. um I don't know I want to I want people to find a way around it I guess. <laughs> no I mean I I completely understand what you're saying I mean I like and I and I respect what you're saying because I feel like it's true, right? I even feel like in our, um, in mine and your journey with colors, with the business that we had for a while, our social enterprise, I feel like there was a lot of um, values and things that we found within the community of other social um, businesses mm-hmm. in Atlanta that 
that we were connecting with that I wasn't connecting with other people in the church over, mm-hmm. you know, our desire to like help women in the margins and our desire to reach out to the people who, um, are ignored by others or just kind of fall to the wayside, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, becoming friends with women who have come out of prostitution, mm-hmm. all of those things are not things I was finding in the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had those met running the business with mm-hmm. you. And that was interesting even for me to kind of realize why isn't this something that's more prevalent? Why why aren't I coming across people like this in the church more than I am? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so I think that's a valid point. Like that's a valid point. That's mm-hmm. a valid feeling. And I think you're right. I don't think that you're, I don't think you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I hadn't had all the avenues outside of the church to, to meet those needs, I might have been a little, um, I don't know the correct word, but unfulfilled as well yeah um but i think i i think i just have come to give the church some grace yeah um if i've learned anything over the past you know 10 years or actually now like 12 years my husband working at a church it's that um the church gets things wrong you know Mm -hmm. and i think we have to be willing to admit that mm-hmm. and look ourselves in the mirror and say, where have we failed? Um, where would Jesus, Jesus had done this differently mm-hmm. and, you know, adjust course. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're always willing to do that and we give ourselves grace and, um, and realize that we're all human. Mm-hmm. I loved when you were talking about in the last podcast, you were talking with your friend about Paul and the Bible and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I completely agree. I feel like people are flawed. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's people running churches, churches are going to be flawed. Yeah, like there's no separating the two, unfortunately. No, there's not. And I, but I think that's important for us to realize is where we see a failure, mm-hmm. right? Where we see a moral failure yeah. in the church. It's up to us to be like, all right, like what would Jesus do it? to fix this? Yeah. yeah. Mine was so much – mine's so ingrained in me just because I was raised in the church you know, by a pastor and and as a pastor's kid. And so I felt, uh, I don't know, I I think I just like, I saw so many flaws growing up my entire life and I just like wanted it to be more. I felt like, before I left the church, I I harbored so much like bitterness. And even after, a long time after I left the church, I harbored a lot of bitterness and it's still not completely gone. Um, but I find it funny now that, like, I, I have more grace for the church now after I've been gone for so long than I did before. Like, um, you know, there was a sermon recently that I went to that was talking about refugees and religion. And I, like, kind of went in just like, oh, mind. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I've been to so many sermons where, like, pastors, you know, like, straddle the line. And they don't, they, you know, they, they coddle both sides because they're their tithers, you know. <laughs> and that's just the necessary part of it. Um but it was I, I I because I went in with an open mind I was like pleasantly surprised that like it actually ended up being a lot more like falling on the side of like championing champion championing for people that Jesus would have championed for you know I think that's the hardest part for me is like that churches and pastors are so tied to their tithers they're so beholden to them and they feel so beholden to them because they because they they're the ones that give them money mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that's just the reality of it the way you're saying jesus wasn't beholden to those people no. like jesus didn't give a flying flip about those no, people he wasn't to anybody <laughs> to no one yeah. you know like he didn't care when people saw him you know having dinner with 
Zakia, you know, mm-hmm. and like, or when people saw him, you know, picking up the adulterous woman and saying mm-hmm. like, "You're free to go." He didn't mm-hmm. care. He he. People ridiculed him. They crucified him for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 I wish that there was more of that. I wish that there was more of that. Like, I don't care what. I don't I don't care what people say about it. I don't care if I lose money. I don't care if people call me a heretic cuz Jesus was called a heretic mm-hmm. at the time. He like sure was. um I I don't care. I I'm just going to say what I what I what I think I'm supposed to say. <laughs> yeah. And that's you're literally that's our job. Yeah. That's what we're supposed like that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. That's my calling. And it's all of our individuals calling to to be that, right? To not care, mm-hmm. to stand up for what we believe in. To, to be the type of person Jesus was. Mm-hmm. So I heard this great line by Andy Stanley where he was like, uh, he's talking about any issue, like, I can't remember exactly, I'm going to botch it up completely, yeah. but he was like, any issue that you have with the church is with us. It's yeah. not with Jesus. And like, that's so true in so many ways. Like, even after I left the church, like, we talked about this, like, I feel like all the values that I have are because I was actually raised to believe in Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and listen to his stories and like, see the compassionate person that he was. Um, and, and I still feel compelled by that now. And I still feel compelled to like, know the kind of person that Jesus was. I'm reading a book about the historical Jesus right now. And I think that's so true. And, <laughs> and, 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 and it's taken like, gosh, how long, like three or four years, maybe more than that for me to like get past all of my like built up junk. Well, to like the, see that. I think that's the great thing about, people's journeys in general, right? Like, and it's not even, you take religion out of it for a second, you can apply it to anything in life. Like, when you have junk related to something, mm-hmm. um, it takes a minute. Yeah. You have to remove yourself from yeah. from it in order to, like, figure out, okay, what's what's me? What's that person? What, you know, and where, where, where can I change and where can I release that? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it takes time. And I think that, that's the thing. We have to give each other grace. We have to give each other patience and the space to figure things out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, I know my own journey was that way. I did so much reading and research and throwing things out and, and putting things back in. And, you know, it was just a lot of that. Yeah. I guess that's just like what I, because I've gotten past that point now, I just, like, I want people, I want them to feel like it's okay to go back. Like, it's okay to, like, go back and say, like, okay, what? Because I, I, threw, I threw the baby out of the bathwater. Yeah. I was like, I'm I mean, done with all that. And it's, like, that's, that's what we do, though. Yeah. And that's okay. Because I feel like at some points, um, it's like when you're, it's like if you're in a really bad relationship, you can't mm-hmm. just be like, well, we have to draw these lines. Sometimes you have to completely remove yourself from the person. Yeah. And be like, I need space. Like, I don't need to see you or talk to you yeah. for a very long amount of time. Yeah. So that I can figure out myself, you know, <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah. And I think, I think that what you're saying is valid. And I do think knowing myself and what I, what I tend, how I tend to react to things. Once I, once I'm a stubborn person, mm-hmm. right? So once I decide, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? And it is, it's hard for me to go back because I feel like I'm admitting I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I am wrong. It's that I just need to remain open to be like, well, maybe I can't be so cut and dry. Maybe everything's not so black and white. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. If you said, I mean, I'm only like turning 36, but um, if you said, what's like, what is it when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to life, what's one of the biggest things you've learned? I would say 
everything is not black and white. Mm -hmm. In fact, rarely are things black and white. Mm -hmm. There is so much gray. Um, you can't just draw a line in the sand and say this is right, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I've learned, even just being under Andy Stanley's teaching for as long as I have, is you know he has this thing he says where unless you actually have a friend and know a person that is dealing with a certain issue, mm -hmm. you have no right to speak on it, mm -hmm. which I love that. Yeah. Like you can't talk about homosexuality. You can't talk about abortion. You can't talk about all of these things unless you have a face. Mm -hmm. If you have a face in your head that you think of yeah. uh, when you can talk about it, then you, then you can speak what you think. But yeah. if you don't have relationships with people dealing with things or struggling with things or working through things, then you shouldn't be speaking on it. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because our lives are relational. Mm -hmm. Everything is relational. And something changes in your heart when you have a friend who's walked through something. Mm -hmm. um, when you love someone oh who's gosh. had to deal with something like that. And that's so much something that I've heard a lot from people recently, people who were championing this idea of, like, Jesus, welcome the refugees. They're like, unless you have – and when you have a neighbor who's a refugee, yeah. then you're like – Oh man, like <laughs> I am. I I don't understand what they went through, but like the the journey that they made to get here, like it's so much more personal to you. Oh gosh. So it's it's no wonder to me that people, you know, in these states where like it's mostly white people are like, yeah, we don't want refugees. Yeah, they don't know any of them. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, can I be honest? You could totally right. be honest. Um, there are gonna be so many people mad at me for saying this. Oh, no. I mean, for me, it's one of those things where it's all it's. Sounds terrible, but it's all about being selfish. Mm -hmm. Like when I hear people talk about refugees and or even immigrants in general, like it always has to do with our jobs. Mm -hmm. our job. yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> like if you work hard and you do what you need to do, no one's gonna take your job. Yeah. Like this, this is all about being selfish for me. It means like, gonna be a robot taking your job, yeah, not another yeah, thing. I think we need to be more worried about technology. <laughs> but for me, it's like I just I don't I don't know why we feel entitled to those jobs. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, like, that was a discussion around the budget. Like, when he was, when, this, when the director of the budgeter was talking about it, he was like, we're not asking, you know, the single mom in Detroit to, to give money to this anymore. And I'm like, I'm sure that mom would be like, yeah, please. Like, if, if anyone <laughs> probably understands the importance of it, yeah. it's probably someone who's drawn from it at some point mm -hmm. in their life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's... It's this growing sense, and we talked about this, like, what what's, what what happened in this election? Like, what was the real reason? Because everyone wants to talk about abortion, but I don't think that was the underlying thing. And there is a statistic I heard recently that 57% um, of evangelicals, of evangelical Christians, not mainstream Christians, but, like, evangelicals, believe that it is highly important for someone to be a Christian to truly identify as being American. Like that, that, that was like they when they answered this 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 pew poll, I mean pew, like one of like the most revered surveying companies in the world, like took this and the fifty seven, almost sixty percent of them said, I think if you're American, it's highly important that you also be Christian, like that you identify as a Christian. I think there's this growing sense of just like nativism and nationalism, where like I'm gonna worry about me and nobody else. You yeah, know? that's hyper selfish. Yeah, no, it's totally. No, selfish. I mean I, that frustrates me. I didn't even like. God, that is so crazy. Thankfully, like when it comes to mainstream Christians, that falls to like thirty percent. Well, that's still a little high, <laughs> in my opinion. You know. But but I think I think that's what it is. I think it's just like we're so scared because fear fear is powerful. Yeah, fear is powerful, but you know if we're gonna get all biblical, fear is not. 
from God. You no. know, that's just not, that's never the tactic he used. It's definitely not the tactic Jesus used. You know, I mean, I think you, it's easy to see. Like, um, so that's really frustrating because I like we're not supposed to be manipulated by fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not how we're supposed to draw our decisions. And not how, not how we're supposed to um, like justify the course of any action. That's much less something that's so huge as politics. I guess it's just the easiest route, right? Mm-hmm. I guess fear is just the easiest thing to. Oh my gosh! I mean, <laughs> once I mean. As someone who suffers from anxiety, like, once those pathways in your brain are created, it's, your brain instantly goes to them. It's like, it's like once your brain knows how to go through the path of anxiety and worry, like, it's, it's like your brain's like, oh, yeah, this is productive. Like, worry is productive, and so I'm going to do this instead. And when you think about, like, on, like, a, on a bigger scale, just, like, humans in general, like, yeah, like, fear makes us feel like we have something to protect, or that we're actually, like, worrying makes us feel like we're being productive, and that we're actually, like, accomplishing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what makes me feel, like, you know what makes me kind of laugh? Is that, for whatever reason, and I think, like, the Christians think it's our job to protect Christianity mm-hmm. or like I don't understand I don't even understand that whole way of thinking either though like they're afraid like they're, are they afraid that other religions coming to America will make Christianity less does like, that make sense like, yeah no I think I think that's the fear I think I think under under it all like every religion suffers from this like it's the it's if you have a, a, a sincerely held belief and there's someone else out there who doesn't believe that who believes something different or even something that's, like, in, you know, that, like, that contrasts with what you believe, then you have to question if whether, like, what you believe is real. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's true. People don't like to question that. People and, don't want to have to be faced with and that's true. And, I mean, like, a majority of people just go through life, like, not, like, questioning anything. You know, we just, yeah. they coast through, and I think we just, um, you know, we live and we die, and, like, in the middle, there's, like, some fun stuff, and, like, <laughs> maybe some bad stuff, too. But, like, having to truly question, like, what we believe in like whether it's true or whether like it's the one truth is so hard yeah. and when there's when, when you're in the minority and we're definitely not in the minority, we won't be in the minority christians sorry christians won't be in the minority maybe ever in this country yeah. but when they're faced with that proposition i think that's something you you have to wonder like oh is what i believe true and no one wants to talk about that well that's frustrating to me because i feel like how like i don't know if i believe a faith is real unless you tested it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, you know, I would even argue to say you don't really have a real faith until you've had to question it. Yeah. I think that's what makes it sincere. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so for like, I mean, that's, that's the great thing about, you know, um, all the disciples, you know, after Jesus, like their faith was tested. Mm-hmm. They knew what they believed and why, because mm-hmm. they had to, because mm-hmm. they had to defend it. Right. Because mm-hmm. they had to, um, they had to like look in the eyes of people who completely disagreed with them, mm-hmm. and it probably I mean it, it, they didn't go to sleep at night wondering have I have I, have I chosen the right thing <laughs> like then who did but for me like I, I wish oh gosh I wish everyone would like have to look in the mirror at their own faith and, mm-hmm. and have to answer the questions why they believe what they do because then I feel like maybe we might get it right more mm-hmm. I, I think if more people took a hard look at themselves and their faith. And really, like, sifted through it and asked hard questions and was willing to have people ask them hard questions, mm-hmm. then maybe we would all get this whole Jesus thing yeah. right, mm-hmm. you know? I think it's also the 
the realization that other people out there have just as deeply and sincerely held beliefs in other religions yeah. than they do, you yeah. know, and understanding that and accepting that, yeah. you know, I, I don't know why that's so hard. And I, I do know why it's so hard, but it's, I'm like, I don't know why it's so hard. <laughs> I don't understand it <laughs> because, because I am the way that I am because I was born here yeah. and I, you know, I was lucky enough for either whether it was a god that was choosing me or whether it's just, you know, like, the universe said, like, she's going to be born in this country. Like, that's why I was raised the way I was raised. And, and, and someone who's born in Pakistan or Afghanistan or, you know, Syria, like, they are the religions they are because of where they were born. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they believe things they believe just as sincerely as I believe things that I believe. Yeah. So I... Uh, just like how we were raised, how we were raised, they were raised, how they were raised. Yeah. So... I understand what you're saying. And if you see everything else as a threat to your religion, then yeah, you're going to see that as a threat to your beliefs. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I guess I'm just weird. I just don't see the existence of other religions or the existence of other beliefs threatening in any way to my own. Mm -hmm. You know? I just don't see... Because to you, I think your faith is personal. Maybe. And I don't know that, like... I don't know that everyone lets their faith be a personal. I don't know that that a lot of denominations let people's faith be a personal faith. Um, I think there's a lot of like groupthink that has to go along with these ideas of you know like make America great again or like keep refugees out. Like that's not if you looked someone in the face, if you had to look a refugee in the face who had who had left their home where they're being at this point attacked with you know like chemical warfare yeah. and digging their children out of rubble. I think if you were to look at their face and hear their stories from their mouth, you wouldn't be able to say that. No, you, there's no way, because it's just like we talked about before. Once you have a face, once you have a story, once you have a relationship with someone, it's hard for you to turn your back on them. Mm-hmm. It's hard for you to look at them and say, you know what, your lifestyle is sinful, and I yeah. reject you. Or you scare me, and I feel like you're a threat to me and my freedoms, so you need to get back where you came from. Yeah. You, it's it's it, Human nature, while I do believe we just have a lot of junk that screws us up all the time, it is decent, right? And we mm-hmm. do, I feel like we have a lot of love in us, and so when you're looking at a child or you're looking at a family, you know, it's funny, like, with our business, whenever the word refugee is ever mentioned, you know whose face I see. Yeah. And... Seeing her sweet face and feeling her sweet hugs, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I would I would fight for her, mm-hmm. right? I would fight to protect her and her family. Um, and so it's it's frustrating. I wish it was like a mandatory <laughs> that before you vote, like you have to walk through a facility and like just sit down and spend 30 minutes talking mm-hmm. with someone mm-hmm. and then you vote like right. <laughs> you know, and then you you know like before you you know you pass on you know before we have to pass a bill every single person has to sit down and have a 15 minute conversation with somebody mm-hmm. i feel like that would change the way everyone views all issues yeah you know all of them yeah so if you were sitting i mean we've already you and i've had these conversations before years and years ago if you were sitting with but it's different now. I feel like it's, it's so much different now in this political climate. If you were sitting with a 19-year-old, 20-year-old who was like, you know, like they weren't required to go to church anymore. Like their parents weren't forcing them or couldn't force them to go to church anymore. And they were questioning like whether their values were reflected here. Like, What would you tell them? Reflected here? Like, like sorry, in the church. Oh, in the church. I would tell them... Um, I would say, well, 
to be honest, I feel like there's still a lot of um, a lot of revolution that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't, if you feel strongly about something and you don't feel it's represented, it's up to you to change it. Mm-hmm. I would say um, if you feel strongly about X, Y, or Z, you find some like-minded people with you that can that can champion along with you. And you find a place for it, and you speak up your voice, and you be the change. I mean, it sounds really corny. You be the change you want to see in the world. The truth of the matter is, there's a lot of change that still needs to happen within the church. So we need to step up and be the change we wish to see in the church, you know. And um, and I think there are people who are doing that work, you mm-hmm. know. And there are people who are standing up and breaking down walls and pushing boundaries. I think there are people who are. Um, and they are getting heavily attacked at first mm-hmm. by the church community, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just telling you about the book I just read, um, like House of All Sinners and Saints is this really awesome. She's a, a Lutheran pastor, and she is, I mean, she's like breaking down walls, and she's getting attacked left and right, but she's also gaining an immense um, community of people around her that are helping support her mm-hmm. and um, and their like their lives are being impacted by her. So I feel like there just needs to be more people like Nadia who will step up and say, like, this is wrong. And I don't think Jesus would have handled it this way or done it this way. And so therefore I'm going to do the best I can to represent Jesus mm-hmm. here. And if you're going to fight me on it, fight me on it. But it's not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, I think that, like we've talked about, there are so many different aspects of faith and it is so personal that there are going to be people who need someone to represent them or they're never going to take the, that first step. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's important that we're all willing to, to be ourselves, mm-hmm. like innately ourselves to the best we can because there might be someone else who needs it to step out of the shadows and say, you know what? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. You know? I think you you were that person for me in a lot of ways. It kind of just, like, gave me the grace to say, like, hey, like, it's okay. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. But that also, like, really there, there's, there are people out there, like, like for me, like, a big person that I, whenever I was going through this, I read a lot was Rachel Held Evans. And I, and she, she's a, she's a pretty well-known writer and gets called a heretic all the time. <laughs> then she's doing something right, yeah. in my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> There are people called heretics that probably deserve it. Yeah, maybe those, those okay. guys are on TV. Let's not. I worry mean, about but that. honestly, like more, it it it's more heretical to say that we shouldn't, you know, take care of refugees because Jesus Jesus has a whole story about oh. the Good Samaritan, you oh, know, yeah. like <laughs> welcoming people who who we don't consider to be one of our own, like that. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus constantly crossed racial lines. Mm-hmm. He crossed religious lines. He crossed all the lines you could cross, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. And so it's funny to me when we keep trying to draw lines in the sand and mm-hmm. saying, nope, nope, no, no one passes here, mm-hmm. when there was never a line that he didn't cross, mm-hmm. you know. And it was, and that, so that's funny to me when, when we try to make religion that, mm-hmm. um, because that's not at all, that's not at all. I almost felt maybe Jesus was a bit of a rebel too, like mm-hmm. telling society, oh yeah, you say I can't do this, watch me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just be more like Jesus, I guess. <laughs> I mean, really, to me, it's so funny. I think we make religion so complicated, and faith is so simple, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that's all it boils down to. Yeah. Like, you know, I think it all boils down to just learning about Jesus, being the best possible version of him you can be, 
working in your gifts, and that's it. I feel like we make it so complicated. And and if you just pay attention to what Jesus said and what he did and how he lived and you did your best to do the same, there I mean, there would be everything would be fixed. Yeah. If we all, if, I mean, I really feel like if like half of the world could just do that, even if half of Christians who call themselves Christians now could do that, I feel like just so many problems would be fixed. Yeah. WWJD. <laughs> In in the most rebellious way possible. <laughs> the most rebellious way possible. Because <laughs> I was those I was that one who would never wear the bracelet. Oh, I'm like, you're oh all other I was like all other oh Christians wear bracelets I'm not wearing. <laughs> I had so many of those bracelets. Oh yeah, no. I was the one that was like oh heck no, I'm not wearing that thing. Oh well, thank you for coming and talking. Well, thank you for. Letting us sit in your awesome treehouse and do this. Yes, of course. Anytime. I, I wish you guys could see Steen's treehouse. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's getting a little hot right now. It but, is a little warm in here. But it's I bet definitely. it's really fun to write in here. Oh, it's a great place to write. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, insert pithy saying here because I don't have one yet for my podcast. But thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. is by Will Hollifield and the interlude music is a song called Rose Colored by Lady of the Lake. You can find this information and more at RagingLadyBoner.com.